Good morning. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 4 through 12. Please follow along in your own Bibles or on the screen behind me, or simply listen as the passage is read aloud. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judah, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. What an awesome job. This morning, as we are here on the Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Advent, um, we are looking and preparing um, and sitting in this time where we're waiting with anticipation at the coming of Christ and now our ability as Christ has come to remember that he is coming again. Um, This series that we have been doing, Light in the Midst of Darkness, the subtitle of this series has been The Long Road to Jesus. And uh, we started this journey by reflecting by God's provision to mankind through the animal skins in the garden. Pastor Yumiko uh, reflected upon the care that God gave to Adam and Eve. And instead of them having to try to cover themselves, God himself provided the sacrifice to cover our sins. In week two of Advent, we've reflected upon the prophetic literature that pointed us towards a savior that would enter into the world of brokenness and redeem us from our sins. And last week, Pastor Josh taught us about the 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I don't know about you, but as a child, I used to try and give my brothers the silent treatment. And I knew when people would do that to me, it would it would be so aggravating because I just wanted to hear. I wanted to hear what was going on or what was taking place. And so I could only imagine what it was like to have 400 years where the Lord says, Whoever is among you, all his people, may the Lord God be with him. Let him go up. And then silence. 400 years of silence. And then after this time of silence, a ray of hope, a ray of light in the midst of darkness, an angel appears to Zechariah in the temple and declares that he and Elizabeth will give birth to a son. 
we know him as John the Baptist. And the word of the Lord tells us that in the sixth month of of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel to Angel Gabriel to let Mary know that the Lord was going to give her a son. And he was going to be the savior of the world. Mary's response to the angel was, Be it unto me according to your word. Or in our contemporary translation, Lord, let your word be done. And now that brings us to this Sunday, whereas we are on the fourth Sunday of Advent, we are celebrating this time and this anticipation where we look to Christ coming in. And what does that mean in our contemporary day and age? Like many believers, uh, I grew up in church and typically on the Sunday before Christmas, Someone would get up and usually it would be the children. They would get up before the church and they would read the Christmas story. And Luke 2 is probably a very familiar passage. Um, Our son, when he was in first grade, his school project was that they memorized all of Luke 2. And on Christmas morning, he recited it to us as part of his gift to us. And oftentimes when we come to familiar passages, it's easy just to get in the habit of hearing, oh, I've heard that before. But today, this morning, as we look to the passage here in Luke 2, I want us to hear it in a new light and a new lens that helps us in this season of Advent to recognize that as we anticipate the coming of Christ and his return back to us, that not only would we have expectancy and anticipation, but we would allow God to fulfill our hopes and our dreams in the fact that God is more than we ever thought or imagined and that his ability to do things goes beyond what we can see or perceive and God chose even the lowly things to come into this world so that he could demonstrate that he is with us no matter what we are going through. The title of today's message is The Messiah in the Manger, which in and of itself, when we think about that title, The Messiah in the Manger, it is somewhat of an oxymoron. Messiah literally means the anointed or chosen one, and it was an expectation of a promised deliverer, leader, and savior. A manger is a small stall that was meant for the sheltering of animals. So it does not really make sense when you talk about a Messiah in a manger. It does not correlate with one another that you would have a Messiah that was going to be the deliverer, that was going to be the savior of mankind coming in a manger. As I begin to examine this thought It led to a profound revelation. The coming of Christ was not accidental, unplanned, chaotic. It was divinely orchestrated and a fulfillment of God's promise 
to mankind. And what we want to understand as we look at this text today is how God planned every single detail of the Messiah in the manger. I brought with me today, uh, this morning, um, a present that I have here. And uh, uh, if you are like me, I've been wrapping presents. Um, And for those of you who still have younger children, they're sitting in the room waiting for someone to deliver them um, on uh, Monday evening coming into Tuesday. And one of the things that you'll notice here is that I have here a quite big box. And immediately, when we see a big box, our mind immediately thinks, man, that's a good presence. The bigger the box, it must be the bigger the gift. And the bigger the gift, it must mean the more valuable the gift. But the challenge is, That in our minds, our expectation is always correlated to the size of something. And by human nature, we tend to anticipate, well, the bigger, the grander, the greater entrance that something makes, the more valuable it must be. We think about even how when the president comes into town, you have the band plays. um, um, Hail to the the chief here. I forgot. Hail to the chief. And and so you see the bands playing and making the songs and there's a big dramatic entrance and we think of all of the pomp and circumstance that goes with it. And, And in those things, we tend to think that if something is going to be great, it has to come in this immaculate big package. And when we look at what was going on, in the life of God's people at this time, they were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for someone who was going to come and liberate them. And not only liberate them, they were looking for someone who would be the one that would take them away from all of their physical oppression and reestablish the Davidic dynasty in Jerusalem. They were looking for a governmental ruler who would give them freedom. Their expectations were based upon their own experiences. Surely if the Messiah was going to be our savior, the expectation would be that he would be exactly this and that. And surely if the Messiah was going to be the descendant of the tribe of Judah and the the family of David, he would be a royal figure. But just like when David was chosen to be king, God reminds us that he does not choose by outward appearance but by divine providence. And on this fourth Sunday of Advent, God reminds us that Advent allows us to refresh and recalibrate our hope and expectation towards a humble servant who came to fulfill our hopes in ways that we never thought were possible. See, the challenge is that when you wait in anticipation 
you often get fidgety. Have you ever been with a young child and had to wait? Um, Pastor Ophelia was going shopping yesterday and she was telling me that she was in a particular store and as they were waiting for to go in the checkout line, she had my oldest son there and, you know, a few minutes he was okay and then, you know, he started getting, you know, all kind of antsy and, you know, he's finding stuff and picking stuff off of here and, and there and she was like, just go to the car. When we are waiting, it feels awkward. And sometimes in the midst of waiting, we try to find something that will fulfill our hope just to be able to do something or have something that we say it feels like I'm moving forward. And the challenge is, is that oftentimes our hope and expectation, a lot of times our hope and expectation looks and is rooted in if I just get this one more thing, if I just get this one more promotion, if I just get this one more thing that will happen, if I just get that present that has this I'll be satisfied let me tell you this every gift I've gotten gifts for my kids and they said oh if you just get me this I won't want anything ever again how many of you know how this story ends within three days after playing with that toy They're like, can we get this? Can we get this? Can we get this? And what we see is that when our hope is placed in the wrong places and in the wrong things, it never satisfies. But what Advent teaches us is that Christ comes into this world and he comes in to be our savior. And he invites us to trust in him and says, if you will trust in me, I am the bread of life. I am the one who will give you life. And if you will trust in me, I will make sure that you will never lack again. And what does it mean? It doesn't mean that every time we go through situations that we don't have, that we don't, we have everything the way that we would like it, but we know that God provides for our every need. So what do we see when we look at this passage? The first thing that we see here is that the fact that this narrative happens in Bethlehem. Luke 2 and 4 tells us that because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem. Verse 5 tells us that Mary was with him and was now expecting a child. Now, um, Pastor Ophelia and I have had three children, and if there's one thing that I've learned, it is don't take long road trips while your wife is eight months pregnant. Joseph, here in the Bible, hadn't quite learned that lesson. While his wife is ready to give birth, He is called, and you know, the interesting part about this was that it was from a human perspective, this would be a troubling emergency that Joseph would now have to go from his town of Nazareth where his wife is with child, and they would have to go to Bethlehem. And from a human perspective, I would look at that and say, this is crazy. God, I didn't sign up for this. 
I mean, could you imagine Mary thinking like an angel came to me and I I know I'm going to be giving birth to the Messiah, but I did not expect that now at at the time that I'm to give birth, I now have to travel all the way to Bethlehem, some 90 miles away. And from a human perspective, it's troubling. But from a God perspective, it was a fulfillment of a divine prophecy. In Micah chapter number five and two, it reads this way, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrath, are only a small village among the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. The word of the Lord had prophesied that there would come a savior, a ruler out of Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a small and unimportant village. 90 miles away from Nazareth, but God chose it as the place for our Savior to be born. And in doing so, God divinely orchestrated seemingly inconvenient circumstances to allow his purposes and plans to be accomplished. If we simply look to what would be expected, we would be disappointed in the Savior being born in Bethlehem. But only to realize that out of what was considered to be small would be brought forth the greatest miracle on the earth. It wasn't by accident that the Savior was born in Bethlehem. But God chose that small, unimportant village to now be the place where everybody knows in Bethlehem, our Savior was born. The second thing that we see in this passage is that God's choice to first reveal the Messiah to the shepherds in the field. In Luke chapter number two, it reads, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born in Bethlehem, the city of David. What is interesting about this passage is the fact that the first announcement of the Messiah's birth was given by an angel to some anonymous shepherds. You would have thought that if the Lord was going to reveal that the Savior, the Messiah that they had been waiting for, he would have first came to the religious class or the ruling class. He would have first came to the priests and the scribes. But by visiting the shepherds, the angel revealed the grace of God towards mankind. Shepherds were known as outcasts in Israel. Their work called for them to be what we call ceremonially unclean because of the work that they did. And not only that, their work kept them away from the temple for weeks at a time so that they could not be made clean or ceremonially cleansed. But yet God chose them to be the first ones to know that the Messiah was born. Why would he do that? 
because his grace was being extended to all of mankind. The third and final thing that we see in this passage was a baby lying in a manger. In verse 12, the climax of God's divine provision is that as he speaks to those who are there, the shepherds who were there, he says, you will recognize him, the savior of the world, by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. You know, so often I've discounted some of God's provision because the packaging didn't look like what I expected. And in the season of Advent, what we are reminded of is that sometimes the packaging gets us astray. Sometimes our mind has been so focused on analyzing the size of the box, the bigness of the thing, that we lose out on looking at the miracles, the small miracles that are all around us each and every day. When they came to a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, I'm sure the first thought is, Messiah, baby. Baby, Messiah, these two don't match. How can this be? But this is exactly the way the Lord works. The Lord tells us in a word that he confounds the wisdom of the wise. Why? To show that What we think and the way that we approach things is not the way that God approaches it. And so that when we look at with anticipation to Advent the coming, some of us, what God is doing is also recalibrating our expectations. He's recalibrating not to see that he won't come, but to recognize that he is coming. But maybe the packaging of how he will come. In the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of the situations that you're coming through, in the midst of the pain that you're feeling, in the midst of the discouragement that you're going through. Maybe you thought he'd come through and do it this way, but maybe if you open your eyes, you'll see that Christ has come, but he's come in a new way and he's come in a way that you weren't expecting. But the power is there, just like this baby who was lying in the manger. He was our savior. And he was a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. But he would be the only one who could take away the sins of the world. No other baby could do it. No other man could do it. But it was God who was taking on flesh, who now sat before them lying in a manger, who became the fulfillment of the promise of what was to come. What we learn from all of these details is Advent is more than just a time of waiting. Sometimes we are waiting, but our expectation is rooted in our experience. But God sees our brokenness, and he brings divine restoration to that brokenness in ways that we would never have anticipated. So as we celebrate Advent, the coming of Christ, may we also look at the small things 
things. May we also be grateful. Maybe the gift that you have under the tree wasn't the big thing that you were expecting. But can you be thankful for what God has blessed you with? And remember that even in the small things, his blessings are there. Father, we thank you so much for your word, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you for this time of celebrating Advent and the coming of Christ. Father, we pray that even as we go into uh, Christmas Day, the time where we celebrate the birth of our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, that you would be with each and every one of us and that we would be reminded, even as we think to the Messiah in the manger, to remembering that you brought into this world a savior who would take away the sins of this world and that father in that we can step into that and recognize that you are bringing divine restoration in every aspect of our lives lord we love you we thank you and we bless you in christ's name we do pray amen